Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and thank you for joining me today. I am very much looking forward to uh, spending some time with you, and I've got a wonderful show planned. I've got Patrick Albanese joining me in just a minute to get things started. And then the Monday afternoon mix will happen with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. And I've got a full hour with Dr. Glenn Pickering in the second hour. So that's what I've got in store for you today. Uh, Patrick always gets things started with me on a light note because I appreciate that. I enjoy a little levity to get the week started. Patrick is a friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's uh, the great state of Iowa finally getting some rain, by the way. Oh, good. Good. Yes, we we, we needed it. I I was out uh, in my yard and I heard the grass saying, ah. Oh, I bet. Just Yes. Yeah. 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 I haven't had the lawnmower out in a month. Oh, wow. No, maybe maybe longer. I haven't had to. Oh, granted, it's needed it. I just haven't had it out. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no yeah. I haven't haven't needed to um, to cut the grass at all. Yeah. So, uh, uh, right. and, but I'm at war with the bunnies. So, because uh, they've yeah. been uh, eating what little plant life I do have. So hopefully the yeah. grass will grow and they can go back to their regular diet. Because yeah. I tried everything, you know. I put some Irish spring soap, by the way, on. I, I, they told me to buy marigolds. First, they said buy a dog. I did. And the dog and my bunnies are friends. Then they said um, buy some marigolds, and the bunnies ate them. And then they said use some Irish spring soap because they don't like the smell of it. And I went out, and they were in the sprinkler lathering up saying top of the morning to you. It's just <laughs> nothing has worked. So I'm hoping the rain will give them something else to eat. Yeah. So, but we, yeah. we know, we know God is a God of order and the scripture yes. tells us that he is, and he is not a God of confusion, but of peace and all things should be done decently and in order. And I, I love, I love that, that we're created in his image. So I'm wondering if we, have a problem with order in our lives. Now, I don't know if I'm making the correct theological uh, connection here to this passage in Scripture, but you were telling me over the weekend that you uh, took on the task of organizing your garage and talk about the clutter that we have in life. And I was glancing an article by this Japanese woman who apparently has written a best-selling book on keeping things in order and she did make a couple of good points. She talked about we can uh, – she said human judgment can be divided into two types, intuitive mm. and rational. She said when it comes to selecting what to discard, it is actually our rational judgment that causes trouble. Although intuitively mm. we know that an object has no attraction for us, our reason raises all kinds of arguments for not discarding it, such as I might need it later or it's a waste to get rid of it. And these thoughts yes. spin round and round in our mind, making it impossible to let go. So you did a three-hour garage cleaning. How did that go? Well, it was a 30-minute – uh, my wife said, why don't we just tackle the garage? It shouldn't take more than 30 minutes. And uh, I don't know why I believed her, but I did. 
and three some odd hours later. And, you know, I did it. It's funny how I, cr- I crossed right into that. The, the difficulty making decisions and, and it, like I had scraps of wood uh, and here I am honestly looking at a piece of wood that is, you know, one inch thick by, by an inch and a half wide by approximately 12 inches long. There are 20 of these because I remember I, I built some little homemade clothing stands for a garage sale we had when we were selling all the kids old clothing off. And uh, when I took them apart, I had oh dozens of these pieces of wood, but couldn't couldn't throw them away. Cheapest wood you could buy because they just had to serve one little purpose. But I have I've had them for years now. Mm-hmm. Couldn't throw them away, and uh, finally it's like, well, what do you want to do with these pieces of wood? And I'm hemming and hawing, and and then I I have the conversation with myself. It's like, do you need twenty four of these? Could you keep maybe two of them for the occasional piece of scrap wood that you might need for something? Mm-hmm. I realized it would have been easier just to have somebody pay somebody, go in, throw everything away. Don't tell me what you threw away because I won't even know it's missing. I'm going to go have lunch. And when I come you're back, right. I'll, I'll have you're a right. great garage. It's, it's, you know, you know how you have that approach when you're, when you're looking, considering buying something new and you say, you know, if I can remember what this is in a couple of days, I can go back and get it. The thing I can't yeah. live without. Yeah. Here's something that's been sitting in the garage for years. It, th- 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 there's two discoveries that happen. One is, so there that thing is that I've been looking for for three <laughs> years. So it's, it's uh-huh. right here underneath the grass catcher for the lawnmower that I don't use. And then there's the, what is this thing that I have? Is this, yeah. did I get this? Did I buy it? Does, what is it? I don't even know what it is. How did it get in here? So I had all of that yesterday and well, struggled to toss it. Yeah. So I have, I have a feeling um, there is a lot of people out there that struggle the same way. They find themselves not knowing what to let go of, not knowing, you know, because it's not really a storage issue because, you know, have you ever had a storage closet that you can't access or you can't use because there's too much stuff in it? Yes. In fact, I mean, during, yeah, during the COVID lockdowns, I built four new shelving units. And then I built a uh, 12-foot clothing rack to hang up some of the – we had free time and uh, built a 12-foot clothing rack and four new storage units. They were full within a day. I said, where was all this stuff before? <laughs> I don't, I don't, where did we keep all this stuff before? This Was this in the closet upstairs and now it's all down here? Yeah. I Yeah, and then next thing you know, we're stumbling over it. Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, I don't know. Then this author goes on to say that to cherish the things that are important to you, you must first discard those that have outlived their purpose. So get rid of what you no longer need or is is not wasteful or shameful. You know, can you truly say that you treasure something buried so deeply in a closet or drawer that you have forgotten its existence? (laughs) Yeah, that's the expiration date on food in the fridge too, you know. And then, uh, I, I, you know, my wife could look at an expiration date on a yogurt and say, "This expired a week ago." I said, "That's yogurt; it doesn't really expire right away." <laughs> so, I will put it back in the refrigerator, and then maybe a month later she can convince me to throw it away. Same thing with, I, I have clothes. I, I won't wear these. These are bell bottoms. I'm not going to wear these. 
You're not going I mean, to. Why do you? Why do you not just throw them away or send them to the goodwill or the Salvation Army? Get rid of it. So, so do do we spend you know the, the first half of our life accumulating stuff where we need bigger and bigger places to live and more and more storage units, and then we get to a point in our life where we where we say I don't want to saddle anybody else with this, so I need to start downsizing, and so we go through that process, and uh, it's a struggle, and then we finally get to a simplified life, saying I kind of wish I would have lived like this all along. Yeah. I mean, don't you do you go through that? I mean, you have some. Do you have storage units, or just do you I, have enough place, enough room for everything? I have enough room, but I, you know, I in 1950, I think the average family of four or five lived in 1,100 square feet, and there was no such thing as a storage unit. And today, I think there's 50 million storage units. So, in other words, we got some stuff. Yeah. Well, I you know for a period of my youth, shared a bedroom with two brothers. And the three of us had to find a way to make one dresser and a closet work for our stuff and our clothes. And we did. Yeah. Now, of course, granted, most of the stuff that I was wearing was just clothes that they were handing down to me anyway. Yeah. So it was, it was, you know, it was a suit that never left that closet. You know, it lived there for for about 15 years. Right. Until everybody had worn it. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask. Three hours working on the garage, does it look better? Does it feel more organized? Have you pared yes. it down or does it still feel like you've got a lot of stuff? Well, I, I, I discovered something and I should have seen this coming. We have more bikes than people. So somehow that happened. I don't know. We have more bikes than people. But um, it is pared down. Uh, and, and then uh, I have this area where I keep some tools. Well, they happen to be haphazardly placed around the garage where I could never find anything. So now they're organized, uh, which, of course, means I no longer have an excuse not to fix something. But, um, mm-hmm. yes, it made a huge, a huge difference. You can, you know, it, it's – I've been normally keeping my car in the driveway and my wife's car has been in the garage because there hasn't really been space. And so when we have the occasional hailstorm here and you have to get your car in, uh, we have to decide to put some stuff out in the driveway that can handle the hail damage. <laughs> or, just, you know, the kids – sorry, kids, your bikes are going out, you know, because dad has to pull his car in the garage. But the, the worst part of it was is by the time I was able to squeeze my car in, if I hadn't done the rearrangement properly, to open the car door and get out and get into the house was quite the task. Let's just say that if I were three pounds heavier, I would not have been able to do it. Okay. It was it was tight. Now we can fit both cars in the garage. It's a very strange feeling. Oh, I bet that's kind of nice yeah. though. So it is kind of I think nice. it's, it's human nature to always want to take the easy route. And most people kind of will – take the storage method as the quick and convenient way to remove any kind of visible clutter. I don't know if that really <laughs> helps though. Um, I think when you're, when you're truly organized, you've got stuff where it belongs and I'm, I am not good at this. So I will. No, no. We had a storage unit once. on the mercy of the court. Oh, yes. <laughs> we, we did have a storage unit once, not, be, not for overflow clutter, but when we were moving from California to here until we found a place we managed, and uh, my wife has. She has this thing we we call it Tetrisizing. Remember the game Tetris? No. 
You would make these blocks. They would fall from the top of the screen and you had to organize them so that they fit in the most compact, perfect way in order to win the game. And uh, so in order to play Tetris, you had to be really good with shapes and what would fit where. Okay. And my wife was so good at it, she could fill a storage unit. She'd go in and order the smallest one and they'd say, you'll never get all that stuff in there. And they would come back uh, an hour later and say, We'd like to hire you. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do it? Yeah. But we had sofas six, seven feet in the air. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, she yeah, could look I, at a blank space and say, I can fit it all in there. I would imagine this fun. is a, a frustrating um, element for a lot of people, the the organizing, the tidying, because I think if you tidy, things can become untidy real fast. So mm-hmm. that gives a difference between having a place where something belongs and then just trying to tidy up. Anyway, that's what this book talked about. I didn't buy the book because then I'd have to store it somewhere and I, I, I can't have another book I got to store, right? Right, right. And what's your limit to the nightstand? How many books are you allowed uh, to have six, on the nightstand? Five or six. Six? Yeah. Wow, some self-control. That's yeah, pretty what do you good. Have? Uh, well, it's it's down to two right now because uh, while, I wasn't, while I was out cleaning the garage, my wife tidied up the bedroom and uh, she took all my books and now the difficulty is trying to remember what were the eight books that were sitting here because I must have those back I can't oh, remember she put them on the yeah. shelf I said wait they, they, these were important which which ones were they now yeah oh I can't not, remember you're not yeah. a well man all right Patrick I'm let me not. take a little break Patrick Albanese is my guest we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with lots more Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. My head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome to the show. Glad you're with me today. I've got Patrick Albanese to get things started. Always like starting on a lighter note. A merry heart is always good medicine, and Patrick is always the guy that helps me do that, so I appreciate him very much. We've been talking about clutter and organizing, but I tell you, I think we've exhausted that topic, Patrick. Yeah, I, I, I know you had made mention of uh, how much you're always promised, you know, with these books that help you organize, you know, this, this won't, this will be easy. And, and, and it's like everything, you know, you, if you buy this garage organizer, your life will be perfect. Everything promises a perfect life, doesn't it? They always Isn't do. That... They're, yep. They're going to make it quick and convenient. And whenever you hear those two words, quick and convenient, I always get very nervous. Yeah, it's it's every yeah. TV commercial. You 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 yeah. probably got this problem. We can fix it. Whatever the problem is, we can fix it. That's always the case. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. All right. This was kind of amusing to me, and I think you'll find it amusing as well. That it looks like. Let me see here. I've written it down. Um, that the government is offering uh, a seventy-five hundred dollar rebate if you buy an electric car. Yeah, it's a it's a tax, tax credit, credit for it's, it's, electric it's vehicle of, purchase. Yeah, it's part of the the new. They've they've done this in the past. 
kind of a great incentive. Um, you know, I always found it kind of humorous that the people that often took advantage of it were buying $150,000 cars. <laughs> I don't know if $7,500 made a, a difference, but, uh, I know now. So did you hear one of the, the things that happened after, so that's the bill that just got passed. There will be a $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicle purchases. Okay. So the very next day Ford raised the price of their electric truck. So you're a thousand dollars down. Huh? Yeah. So there you go. They're a little behind uh... on the production of those things right now. Yeah. uh, You know, it's, it it looks spectacular, but uh, I guess a lot of people want them. And I think so far they've, uh, I think they've gotten orders for 50,000 of them. Oh, wow. And so far they've produced two. I think just two, <laughs> so we're a little behind. Uh huh. But and in the te- in the tennis world, I see that there is a chance Novak Djokovic may not be able to play in the U.S. Open in New York because he's from Serbia and he's um, has trouble entering the U.S. because of his vax status. So, um, and another news on uh, the tennis mm-hmm. world, which I follow, Serena Williams is retiring at forty-one. Uh, what I, an I... amazing career, the best ever. Oh, yeah. In fact, I was looking that up just the other day uh, and I didn't realize, oh, you know what? Because I know you know a lot about tennis. Uh, There was a name and she had just surpassed her in Grand Slam wins by one to be the all time. Uh, And it was a tennis player going back to probably 70s or the 80s. And I don't know why her name is escaping me. Uh, because it isn't one of the ones you would normally think of, you know, Martina or Chris Everett mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, uh, so name somebody. I had no idea that this was the person that Serena had finally surpassed. I didn't realize, but she's had 23 Grand Slam wins, 23, wow. and she's only impressive. 41 years old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and which, she, by she, the way, I, what's the average age for retiring in tennis? People, not everybody makes it to their 40s. Yeah, that's running kind of high. Nah, well, they start playing senior stuff. So they're, they're still in the game, but they play senior tournaments, which I think is over 35. Okay. Senior so yeah. over 35 is considered senior. I, th- I think it is. I could be wrong on that. I, I'm sure there's wow. somebody listening that will correct me. I hope they do. Well, uh, yeah. Maybe it was a Steffi Graf. Might have been Steffi Graf. Been but Steffi anyway. Graf, yeah. 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 41 retiring, um, but uh, I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't know if she, she'll go on to do, you know, a, a bunch of other things. It's not like she's done with tennis. How'd you like to be Venus sitting at the table? I think she's won seven Grand Slams. You know, you got the little family get together. It's like, hey, just won my seventh Grand Slam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Have you met your sister, Serena? Yes, 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 yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, that... but, but but also uh, she was saying, I think it was a little bit of a dig, but yeah. she made some comment about if I was a man, I wouldn't have to um, give up my tennis career. And I thought, well, well I think I she said to start a family. Yeah, just to start a family. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I mean, that that may be true, but also uh, uh, a man will not experience the miracle of childbirth. Um, 
you know, other than handing out the cigar later in the delivery room. I mean, it's, you know, God made us male and female and said, hey, uh, here's how this works. Uh, so even if it's true, I don't I don't know if it's a great look to say, well, I'm worth a few hundred million dollars and I'm retired. When you're able to retire at the age of 41, a multimillionaire and the top of your game and the best that ever played. I don't know if there's a whole lot of room for complaints. Is there? <laughs> I'm kind of thinking the same thing. I mean, that's a yeah. spectacular career. And you play till 41. That's pretty cool. I'm yeah. impressed. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, didn't didn't most of us when we were, you know, uh, not such bright teenagers say, yeah, I'll be retired by age 30. You betcha. You watch. You watch this space. <laughs> you, did you say that? I, I don't know if I said retired. I, okay. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure, you know, when you're 15, you think, Scott, I got 15 years to become a millionaire. How hard could it be? Well, <laughs> didn't didn't you start working on your second million? Yes, yes, because it, a wise man said to me the second million is a lot easier than the first million. I said, well, let's right. cut to the chase here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, let's um, go right to the second million. Right. It's, like, it's easier. I'm no dummy. Let's get to work. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny how – and that's just like accumulating things. And it's you say, why do you want all? What do you want to do with all this money? What are the things you want to do? Where, where do you want to go? Why, why do you Why do you want to retire? Why do you want to stop working? Well, you know, uh, I had a wise friend that would always ask me that. He says, "Great, when you get all of that, and then, then so what are you going to do? What are your plans?" I didn't really have any. He said, "Yeah, you might want to get to work on that." No. Yeah. You, you yeah. Have you're an idea what at, you'd like to do. You're always better off having plans yeah no a, a reason it's uh you know it, it, it's funny that you know the bible says ask and it you know and it, and it shall be given you don't you don't know exactly how things are going to play out but uh you know we we mess a little bit too much with how we like to ask for things and how we want things from god we're 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 we seem to have our own plan and say, if you could just give me everything I want in this fashion, that would be great. Mm -hmm. And we just, we, we can't bow down to, you know, the respect we should have that he has much bigger and better plans for us. Yeah. No. Uh, that's not, that's not the best plan. I take, we should take our prayers to the Lord and say, not my will, but thy will be done. Ask specifically for what you would like. Yeah. Share the desires of your heart um, and then trust in him. Oh, with all of your might. Yeah. And I'm sure all of us can tell stories about things that we didn't achieve that we're grateful didn't happen. Yeah. In retrospect, we say, I am grateful that I didn't get the things that I wanted. Some of those yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Patrick, thanks for uh, telling your story of your garage orga organization. I think you've inspired me to maybe get out to the garage and poke around, see what I can do. <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen your garage. You're gonna find some stuff in there. I think. I know. I am. Yeah. I'm afraid so. Yeah. Well, have a right. have a great rest of the day. Thanks. You too. Yep. Yep. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We're gonna take a break when we come back. The Monday afternoon mix is up next. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. Just ahead.
Welcome to the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., and I are always delighted to be together. Today we're going to talk about relationships. We are thinking about Acts 24-17. I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and men. David, Rosie, welcome. Hey, Bill. Hiya, Bill. Hey, hey. Well, yeehaw. Yes, relationships. We are definitely in the mix for this. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just really need to have some really heart-to-heart conversations about relationships and and kind of dig into, you know, places where we sometimes maybe tiptoe through the tulips and the like. And so um, because the time is now, you know, um, you know, I want to just thank our listening uh, audience and listening family who's uh, been holding me and my family up in prayer the last couple of weeks. Um, into July, I was uh, sitting in a uh, pontoon having a quiet time early in the morning and the phone rang. Um, and it was uh, my my brother, William, uh, my only surviving uh, immediate family member. It was uh, his former wife, and they got re-engaged, but she had um, actually was a family friend who contacted me uh, to tell me that my brother hadn't shown up for work, and uh, they did a well check on him, and they found him dead at the age of 53. Oh, David, we are so sorry. Yes, we are. Yeah. Heartbroken. You know, and it, uh, you know, it's really sobering when, when you're kind of the last member of your immediate family. And, um, you know, like all the various people uh, that have a perspective on you. Um, they come into your lives at different times, right? And your yeah. family are the ones that know you from conception. They know you, t- right. your two-year-old antics, your four-year-old crayon drawings, your, and on through life. It's only your family that knows those. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, for some that are driving today, they're thinking like, hey, you know, um, that's true. And, and for those having very rich relationships with family, you know, that is a really beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes people can hear us on, on the radio, Rosie and Bill, mm-hmm. and they'll think, oh, these guys, they just have their lives together and that everything just is smooth flowing. You know, and and that's not the case. You know, we're very real people in need of Jesus every day and walking with them. And so, um, as some know, my mom went home to be with the Lord in 2017. And so this was my last sibling. And, um, you know, my brother, you know, growing up was one of my heroes, you know, Um, love him, you know, very much. And, and, uh, you know, he's the person that was on my spiritual prayer hit list is what I mm-hmm. call it. It was my my dad, my brother, and one of my college friends, Sean, that I've been praying for. And I prayed for my brother 35 and a half years uh, for his salvation and his success in flourishing in Christ. And, um, you know, shortly after my mom passed away, he stopped talking to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, you know, pursued a relationship with him. Uh, in a lot of ways. And my brother, I'll, I'll say it, my brother, you know, he really was a great man. You know, he had things that he wrestled with. Uh, we grew up in a family with alcoholism and he wrestled with that. And then, you know, the last several years just, you know, had great victory and was really seemingly just flourishing. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, just deeply desiring that. And so this is what comes to the verse about having a clear conscience with God and man. You know, i I've pursued my brother um, 
you know, in my life and, uh, and um, wanted to, to know him, wanted to have a relationship, had even, uh, you know, said to him when, when my, my sister died and it was just my mom, he and I, because my dad went home to be with the Lord. And I was like, hey, you know, are there any, you know, issues? And regularly asking, like, is there anything? Because sometimes it f- feels a little bit strange. Is there anything I've done? And he was like, nope, mm-hmm. you know, nope. And I'm just like, you know, hey, um, if you're upset about something, like, let's talk it out. Or I mean, more to the part of saying, like, if you hate me, mm-hmm. <laughs> then tell me that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think I'm the biggest jerk, tell me that too, you know. And to keep it real, I was like, if you think I'm the biggest blah, you know, tell me that. And and almost going there for the person uh, to say, hey, you know, if there's something there. And, um, you know, one of the things that's important is listening to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God and to Jesus leading you to step towards relationships, you know, and that, I mean, like right now as we're talking about this, someone has just flashed across your HD mind, you know. And, um, you know, I uh, I am... Um, I really, really pursued my brother just to say, hey, you know, I love you. It's it's going to eventually just be the two of us. And is there is there anything? And so, you know, we talk about discipleship here, Rosie and Bill, because walking with Jesus, it is a daily walk with him. Mm-hmm. And I want to explain to, to people, you know, it was in that daily walk along this journey that God you know, spoke to me on different things to say, hey, you know, raise this with your brother. Um, I once did a study on the, the the prodigal son, and we usually think of the prodigal son when the story in Luke chapter 15 is, is dealing with the elder brother. And, uh, you know, Jesus has a woman who, you know, a guy loses a sheep, he leaves the hundred to get the one, a woman loses a coin, she sets aside the nine to find the one, and then there's two sons. And the one son, the youngest son, returns, but the eldest brother never shows whether he came into the party. And God laid on my heart to say to my brother, I said, you know what, I need to ask for forgiveness because I wonder at times had I had an eldest brother attitude towards you, mm-hmm. that were there ways that I viewed you through the lens of alcoholism and not fully through the lens of an image bearer. And I remember having that conversation with him and, and I just said, I just need to ask for forgiveness, you know? And what I'm saying is that we, in our relationships, you can't, you can't do anything about anyone else. You can only, you can only control (laughs) yourself and you can, uh, you can only own the things that you need to own. And, um, I remember that conversation. My brother said, you know, I'm sorry too. For some things, and I and I shared to them. I said, you know what? I wasn't saying this for you to say sorry. It was something that God put on my heart, and I knew that He had been taking time of walking through Tim Keller's The Prodigal God and uh, Henry Nowen's book Return of the Prodigal Son, and doing a preaching series on the divine drama of the Father's heart through Luke 15, and God just really showed me some things. And so going to my brother and just saying, Hey, you know, you're telling me there's nothing. And, um, I'm just wondering, and, and I, I've always 
you know, you're my older brother. I love you, and I, I want to have this relationship with you. And, um, you know, guys, I had to come to the point of grieving a relationship that we didn't have. Mm. You know, and that was hard because, you know, um, you know, we grew up away from our families in Kentucky and Tennessee and North Dakota. And so it was just us. And so really wanting that relationship. But there's power in pursuing. You know, mm-hmm. when Scripture says, make every effort to keep the peace, part of that richness is having a clear conscience with God and man. Oh, my goodness. David, thank you for sharing so transparently your journey. I know it is helping me just listen to it. And I know there's countless other people listening right now that are also being helped because I think what you spoke so clearly and so transparently is that you may not get the answer that you are looking for from that other person. And yet you have to continue bringing it to the forefront. But I loved what you just said about grieving that relationship and or a relationship you thought it should be. Because mm-hmm. don't we all, I mean, unfortunately, Disney, Hallmark, all these different media venues, which are pretend, right? They have how relationships are supposed to look. And I think somewhere it might be subconscious we start buying into that. Mm-hmm. And so we have this expectation and expectations are dangerous. We have better yet, um, I was talking to our uh, operations manager and uh, Ben, and we talked about not expectations, but hope. And so in order to have hope, you have to kill the expectation of how it's going to look in a perfect way and to be okay with, as you look in the mirror, as you one day will look before Christ and say, I did the best I could. Mm-hmm. And, and David, that's all I, will, I can do. Yeah. And thank you, Rosie, for that. David, I, I will say too, that your vulnerability is uh, so appreciative because this story does not necessarily have a nice happy ending with a nice bow on top of it. No, it it actually doesn't. And so, you know, as uh, as I was sharing, you know, it was Thursday and getting ready to come back from a vacation. I got a phone call and it was from a family friend who her father was one of my parents' best friends who called me when my dad died. And she had another family friend who had found out from her brother, who graduated with my brother, and wrestled against him and some of his students. And that's actually how they found out and called me. And I was like, well, that's interesting. So I called my you know, former sister-in-law, and I just wasn't sure if she knew. And I just said, hey, you know, um, just found out that, um, you know, uh, that he didn't show up for work. And she's like, yeah, I already know. I found out last night and I've been calling people. And it was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, and I'm the only surviving person. And so I was like, all right. And then kind of laid out, here's the funeral plans. And can I get the number for your uncle who's a minister? And I, you know, would want to tell him myself. And so there really wasn't much conversation. And I just said to the person, I said, I'm sorry for your loss. And they said, me too. And I said, well, this kind of sucks. And, you know, she's like, yeah, he was planning to move out here in three weeks. And I was like, wow. And I didn't know that, you know. Um, And so the the call, I just finally said, you know, I said, you know what? I said, "Um, whatever you decide is fine. I understand let me know how I can help. And, um, you know, I got off the phone and I was like, well, that was, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I said to, to Tammy, I said, you know, babe, I don't know why. And I said, but I 
I, though I've been told there's there's nothing there, I said I I'm kind of not wouldn't be surprised if you know I'm not asked to participate in the funeral. <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't informed by family that I would be in the obituary, so wasn't wow. um, wasn't um, asked to participate, and I was like, that's fine. Um, and uh, you know, in the end, even was like told my brothers, you know, his one wish, his one request was that that I not even be at his funeral. Mm, and David. so it was like, you know, kind of wow. And so when, when we got to the the to the visitation, got there early, and that's when his his ex wife walked up and said, you know, I need to say, you know, hey, um, he didn't want you here. And I resp- I just looked at it and said, okay, I can honor that. Mm-hmm. Because one of the big things that we have to remember, and I, I teach my kids and people I coach, one of the key words was honor. And saying, you know what, in, in your participation, I want you to honor one another, honor the Lord, honor your coaches, honor the other team, and honor other people even when they're not being honoring because you can't do anything about with them. And honoring, listen, honoring is not dependent upon another person's response to you. Amen. And so, you know... Um, but we want it to be, though, David, we don't do. we? Don't we in our heart of hearts, don't we want it to be? We do. And that's the that's the crux. That's the giving it to the Lord. That's the surrendering everything. I think often we have to surrender our results. We, we really have to surrender our results. And we have to be, you know, okay with with releasing things. And so, like, actually, when, when I was told that, I said, I said, okay, I can honor that. And um, and then I just kind of asked, I said, so, like, what's this look like? And I said, like, what's it mean? And, you know, she's like, well, Tammy and the kids can come, but, her, you know, he didn't want you there. And I said, all right. I said, it's uh, 12 minutes to 12. The visitation and stuff hasn't start, started. I said, you know, I'm coming to honor my brother and on behalf of my parents and my sister. on and So before the services start, I'm going to walk in. And I did. And I just, I honored my brother, greeted him. I came out. And people would come up, and I just stood out there. And a family friend's like, do you want to go to the hotel? I'll give you a key. And I said, no. I said, I'm I'm fine standing here. I said, I'm going to greet people. And as people came up, I thanked them for coming to honor my brother. And some were like, hey, I'll see you inside. And I said, actually, no. And I said, for whatever reason, we stopped communicating. And some people were like, you know, I'm not going in. And I said, no. I said, I want you to honor my brother. He's a great man, irrespective of whatever it was, whether I knew it, you know, between us. And I had a family friend who was like adamant, I'm not going in. And I said, you've been a great family friend. Honor my parents by going in. And she's like, no, but I want to honor you. And I said, the greatest way that you can honor me is to go in and honor my brother. Because whatever it was between us two is not a bearing upon you and his relationship. And he had a big heart. I mean, he did. I really wanted that relationship. And here's the thing, guys. Death, unlike the break that we need to take in a little bit, death brings a certain finality to things. And see, some of you right now, as you're driving, you're thinking God's been tapping on your heart to deal with something, and you've been putting it off. And listen, when a person dies or when you die, because listen, my brother was 53. When that happens, it's done. So whatever conversation that you wanted to have, that's gone. And because I pursued my brother so much and sought to figure out and ask him what was going on, 
I, you can't put a price tag on what Paul said before Felix of striving and having a clear conscience with God and man. You can't put no. a price tag on it. It's just a beautiful story, David. It's so moving. I know you are walking out your faith in a profound way and encouraging all of us with this very difficult news. This is the Monday Afternoon Mix. We're going to take a break, and we'll continue our discussion with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. on relationships, and in this case, the loss of David's brother recently. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. If you just joined us, we're talking about relationships with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. This is the Monday Afternoon Mix. And David has recently lost his only brother. And it was a very difficult uh, experience for him as he uh, did what he could do to try to reconcile the relationship. And it did not uh, really turn out the way he had hoped. But you just never know what God might have done in his heart in the last minute. In the last hours of life, we don't know, but that's between his brother and God. Yeah, I mean, like, God saved me uh, May, th- May th- uh, 1987, 10.45 p.m., uh, through Campus Crusade Student Venture Ministry. And I began praying for my brother and desiring for him to come to faith in Christ. And, you know, guys, I remember feeling the the um, the earnestness of Paul, and I remember journaling and praying and crying and saying, when Paul says, oh, Lord, let me be a curse that my brothers would be saved. Like, I really wanted my brother to, to flourish in Christ. My Uncle Larry said something to me. He said, you know, David, sometimes as believers, we don't take seriously Jesus's words when he says in the gospel, you know, that, that this gospel message, this choosing Christ can bring division among mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters, you know. And um, I I really wanted my brother to, to come to faith in Christ. And, and some of the things that my mom did share about that he wrestled with, I, I was always like, you know, dude, I want you to be so successful in Jesus. Whatever you think God is doing in my life or whatever you think the successes in my life, number one, those are Jesus, like that's a good, all the jacked up stuff, that's still God working that out of me. And I told him, I said, you know what? How many people know who Martin Luther's brother, the great reformer is? Pretty much no one. And I said, I've wanted to be the footnote in your story. Wow. That people would have said, hey, you know, William Miles had a brother and people would be like, really? Who, who's that? I was content in that because I wanted my brother, my big brother, I wanted him um, to experience the richness and fullness of Christ, and um, you know, there, there, there is this finality to it. And out of all the things, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if my brother 
um, ever made a decision for Christ. Um, I remember driving up to the funeral and I text Tammy because I was driving into Fargo and the sun was coming out as the day was coming to an end. And I said, you know, what if the Lord Jesus came and met my brother before he died? You know, um, that when Abraham said to God about Sodom, will not the king of the universe do what is just? Now, what might be just is that it's appointed once for man to die and then to stand for judgment. And that the Lord has given this peace treaty to my brother and that he rejected it. Also note for people who are driving right now, I have good news. Good news is that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Bad news, it's 453 on August 15th, 2022. God's laid out his peace treaty to you. And if you reject that, you will not be able to stand before the Lord and say, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, part of the reason I think God gave me this difficult testimony. Number one, I remember saying to my wife, I said, you know, adversity is the fertilizer to God's future harvest in your life. Number two, it was because you guys don't need us to give you pat answers. Okay. And I think God wanted me to experientially go through something so that I can sit with my brothers and sisters and say, like, this is real. It hurts. Like mm-hmm. you, you really want someone to come to faith in Christ. You, you really are laboring to to reconcile. And that's where the body of Christ is huge. Number one, many believers have encouraged me and sharpened me, you know, and corrected me and asked me questions and lifted in prayer over the years. That's why Christianity is not a solo journey. Number two, which is one of the most beautiful words in scripture, we're called the body of Christ. But Ephesians 3.14, the Lord, Paul says, and I bow my knee to the father of whom Every family is named under heaven. It's so beautiful that God made us a family as believers, that I have brothers and sisters. Rosie and Bill are my brothers and sisters. And some of you are saying, yeah, but PDM, you know the saying, blood is thicker than water. And yeah, you're right. Blood is thicker than water, but only Jesus' blood is the thickest. You know, David, as you're talking right now, First Peter's coming to mind. And doesn't he say, for your suffering? Make sure that you are of clear conscience so that you understand the hope that's within you to sustain the suffering that you're going through. That's really paraphrased by me, but Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I see the suffering on your face right now, and I see the benefit for the kingdom as you're sharing this so transparently for everybody listening. And I also see your clear conscience that you gave your olive branch many times, not just once, but many over the years of the quiet between the two of you. And you do have clear conscience. I can see that as well. And that's a beautiful, hard, but beautiful example for all of us. And I just thank you for sharing it. Yeah, and it's really important right now to note, it's not like, don't get it twisted. It's not because like Pastor David's like got it together and cool. No, that's not it. It is truly the fact of Jesus living through us because our inclination and flesh is to want to be, oh, no, I'm going to respond this way. I mean, like, look, the Lord prepared me in advance, I believe, for this, you know, and and reminding me, first, letting me grieve the relationship. Number two, one of our guests, Jeremy Krulikowski, and his wife, Kirsten, are coaches for Tammy and I, and he's been on our show. And I remember uh, Kirsten saying to me, you know, David, it'd be helpful to do a heart freedom exercise before you even go up. You know, things like, I love you. 
love yourself, you love that person, love God. You know, I'm sorry. Here's what happened. Please forgive me and thank you. And I was able to look back on stuff in my life, even with my brother, and all of us have siblings and we've all gone through stuff. But even to look back and to say, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for these hard things, too, because it taught me compassion. It taught me um, empathy. You know, thank you for, you know, being allowed to pray for you for three and a half decades. I, I haven't prayed for anyone longer in my life than my brother. And, mm-hmm. and that gave an opportunity to persevere in prayer. And still in the end, I have to rest in faith um, with the Lord. So, you know. Guys, I, I really want people to, to say, um, I, w- I want to encourage you that if, there is, if there's a relationship and there's an issue and God's been tapping on you, take this clarion call for me. Um, I'm so grateful because I, the one thing is that I don't have to look back in my life and say, oh, I wish I would have did fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just too costly. And if you're afraid of doing it, God wants to give you strength in Christ with his help for him to carry you to the places that you can't go on your own to exhibit and show the gospel. Mm-hmm. David, I also see you living out Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Yeah. So you know. thank you so much for being so transparent today. It's been great. Once again, the Monday Afternoon Mix. I uh, appreciate you guys both. Appreciate we'll you Take a break. Too. Thanks. When we come back, Dr. Glenn Pickering is going to talk about navigating through grief. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.